1: Rafa Benitez Rafa Benitez Rafa Benitez Feels like just yesterday We were singing that song as Liverpool supporters Seems like just yesterday Those sounds are echoing around Anfield That was 10 plus years ago Rafa Benitez today Was sacked as manager Of Real Madrid We we asked oh so many times So many guests on the show Talked about this Would Rafa get a fair shake at Real Madrid? Would he really get a fair shake? Well, getting canned after 18 matches, six or seven months into a three-year contract, with his team four points off of first place in third behind Atletico and Barcelona, 11 wins, four draws, three losses. I don't know if I'm going to call that getting a fair shake. Rafa Benitez canned at Real Madrid and replaced... By Zinedine Zidane. The plot thickens. Zizou in to the technical seat at Real Madrid. And I love that Rafa's final act as Real Madrid manager was a 2-2 draw at the Mestalla against Valencia. Sensational match, by the way. Fantastic call on CV from our good friends Phil Shane and Ray Hudson, by the way, over there at BN. But Gary Neville gets to be the manager that in... Some ways you could say knocked Rafa off of his job perch there at Real Madrid. Zinedine Zidane in to manage at Real Madrid. Would you believe it? My name is Nate alvarea This is World Soccer Talk Radio. We've got a very fun show in store for you today. Remember the name of Gary Town is going to be with us. Uh, a, a man who specializes in football portraits and has a very interesting book coming out regarding ghost stadiums we'll talk all about that and so much more his signature art collection and works to come from the man known as paul town shout out to LFC, San Francisco, San Francisco City FC, all of the Irish pubs that we went into on our Irish New Year's Day bar crawl in the Richmond District. That's to the keys are and the hate, the downright fabulosity in the Castro, the yups in the Marina, the rugged nostalgia in the Fillmore. I had a damn good time in San Francisco this past weekend. In case you couldn't tell, Happy New Year, everybody. We're back after this right here on Sports by Life. Electric
2: Avenue And then we'll take it higher Oh, we're gonna run down to
1: Electric Avenue And then we'll take it higher You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network Where you from, Megs? Just around. Welcome back to the show. Happy New Year, everybody. Good to be back with you. My name is Nate Abareya. Tweet me at NateWST. Get a hold of all of us at World Soccer Talk. Thanks for listening to us live every day right here on Sports Byline and subscribing to us in podcast form, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. Leave us a review on iTunes when you get a chance. And again, get involved in that wild thing known as the Twitter sphere. All of you Rafa Benitez haters and Rafa Benitez sympathizers, please get at me at (coughs) NateWST. Our guest in this edition of the show, I don't know if we've ever had an artist on the show before this is actually a very special edition of world soccer talk radio this man is an artist that specializes in stadium portraits and is currently working on a book featuring original artwork of soccer stadiums that are no longer existent shall we call them ghost stadiums cannot wait to talk about all that and more paul town thank you so much for joining us sir no problem cheers
2: thanks for having
1: me Absolutely. So uh, I, I, I got to open with something that, that we were having a laugh about off there. I am, I am a, a, a Liverpool supporter through and through, and, and I've been scouring your, your websites and, and going through your work over the last couple of days, and it is just absolutely fantastic. Some of these stadium portraits give me chills in in many ways, and I'm going through them, and they're listed alphabetically, and, and I'm going through it. We, we start with Aberdeen. We go to Accrington, Stanley. The, the nostalgia is just flowing. Then we get down to Chelsea, Darlington, Everton and I'm thinking, all right, we're coming up on Liverpool yep. and we get to Leeds and then we get to Lincoln City and then suddenly we're into the M's. Tell us what happened to Anfield, sir. Well, it's a strange question.
2: It's not a strange question because obviously you picked up on it, but um, <clears throat> it, it, it generally I get a lot of work through the smaller clubs because the, 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 the smaller clubs have got a smaller fan base and I think what it entails is that there's more communication within the clubs um, the fans themselves, and uh, the, the word seems to get around quicker. So obviously, when people hear what I'm doing and how what a unique product it is, um, it just seems to have more flavour to the to the smaller clubs. Unfortunately, that for me, that you know, financially, I, I'd love to get a Liverpool portrait. I mean, it's actually within the bag um, to be started in January for the, a guy who's got a, a sports retail outlet in Norway. So hopefully by February time, I should have a Nantwich portrait um, to, to show the uh, the world. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I look forward to it, Paul. Now, now, now tell us how you got started with all this. I know you're a, a Bradford City supporter and someone who yeah. who was not only raised on the game, but really taught the the, the history of the game and and the pride yeah. and working class passion of of the game in in the UK. Talk about how you got into these these stadium portraits and got into to painting in the first place.
2: Um. Well, it's quite a long story, really. I mean, I, I, my, my dad's been a massive influence on on me watching football, but from probably being about five years old and and down the old servicing at Bradford City, um, and and all the stories that my dad used to tell me from being very young have always sort of you know been in the back of my mind. And I used to draw stadiums when we'd been to watch the away I used to dr- draw the away stadiums where I visited and just got so much pleasure out of it um and then uh, obviously, obviously I started work and all, um, my, my artistic sort of flair seemed to leave me for a long time and then uh about three years ago I, I started do it, doing some drawings again and started really enjoying myself and the passion for the stadiums came back um Lo and behold, that Christmas, my, my mum, Maggie, she bought me some paints for for Christmas, and um, she just said, "Look, you know, you, you, have a go. You, you seem to be doing a lot of pencil drawings. Why don't you try and paint?" So this is what I did, and it it literally just sort of took off from from nowhere, from something that started off as an hobby. Within three or four months, I was selling paintings, and it was just like I had to pinch myself at first because I didn't actually know what was going on. Um, But apart from the stadiums, just just painting stadiums stadiums of of any format, um, it was a friend of mine that actually brought it to my attention because what I was doing was painting um, match things that people actually wanted. So like, for instance, Anfield, you could have Liverpool against Everton or whatever. Um, And he actually said it's quite a unique thing you're doing because you're actually personalising the portraits. And that's really what it's all about.
1: Now, Paul, you talk about you know having to pinch yourself sometimes and, and just how, how yeah. dreamlike this is. I, I got to say, as, as, a, as someone viewing your art, the art itself has a very dreamlike quality. And, and, and I don't want to overuse yeah. the word nostalgia, but it just it, it just flows every time I look at these things. Talk about that yeah. feeling and, and what you're trying yeah. to evoke as an artist uh, with with these stadium portraits.
2: I don't think it's potentially anything that I'm trying to... Well, I am trying to bring mem- the memories back and tr- trying to paint the portraits with a certain nostalgic flair behind them. Um, I, and I think it's not something that I initially started off thinking about, um, trying to portray that sort of look. It, was, it, it sort of just happened. Uh, I, I can only paint in this style, and I, I don't know if it's something I was just given from, from birth or some form of gift, obviously... I have been given a gift, and I really appreciate that. I'm thankful for that, you know. But it, it, it's nothing that
1: I don't try to copy any 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 other artwork. It's just the way it comes out. Well, absolutely. And and talk about now. What what these these stadium drawings uh, this is such a such an open-ended question but you know the the ones that have been the most influential for you do do they at all blend together or or are there any of these grounds or whether they're based off of of your own viewing with your own eyes or or historical pictures are there any of them that really bring out something extra in you um it's a tough question is that because uh, i Obviously,
2: I get commissioned to paint football stadiums, and what what I try to do is subconsciously take myself out of my own body and put myself into somebody else's body and try and recapture the flavour of the stadiums from the past, and uh, and try and recapture how the how the, the genuine fan felt watching football in the seventies and eighties, which is when I was brought up. And you know, I think we've we've lost our way in football um, in the UK. It's, it's it's become an expensive commodity. Um, and, and obviously, with the draft of fire which I was involved in, obviously the safety legislation has come in now, and it, it, you know the stadiums have had to become more safe places to watch. But in hindsight, that I think that we've lost as way in, in, in you know in, in the form of character in, sta- in, in the stadiums. And it, I, I suppose the nearest thing I could um, for, for the people who are listening in the states is relate that to is the old baseball stadiums. Um, which seemed to have a lot more character um, before the new stadiums were built. That's probably the nearest thing I could relate to it, really.
1: Well, absolutely, and uh, it's definitely a, a comparison I've brought up myself many a times yeah. and, and looking, uh, in, in particular, in, in the, uh, the New York City area all the way into the, to the 1950s and such, and it's a, such a, an interesting comparison that you make there and one that I'd love to expand mm. on. Now, now let, we'll, we'll continue this in the next segment because I want to talk to you all about the book and, and this idea of, yes. of ghost stadiums, but talk about yes. where this idea came from and, and, and how special it is and tying it back to, to even the comparison that you make with, with American baseball grounds.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, the, the, the girls' stadiums was, was in the back of my mind probably about two years ago. Um, just so literally, I, it, where, where I, I'm from, Bradford, we, we used to have two professional football league teams. Uh, unfortunately, one of the teams, um, oh, my father used to follow as well as Bradford City, uh, Bradford Park Avenue went out of existence in 1972 and their stadium was uh, an unbelievable Edwardian um, structure uh, it, and the, the thought of Ghost Stadium it originated by from myself visiting the stadium as a 10 well, year old child um, and we actually broke in a pal of mine but we actually broke in was on our summer holidays and we, we, we found a small gap in the gate and we, we entered this old stadium which was sort of defunct and overgrown in a lot of respects but it it was just the sight of the stadium and the ghostly presence which I felt trying to picture the players running around this old stadium and the fans cheering and it always stuck in the back of my mind and you know the the title Ghost Stadium just hopefully tries to reflect that and so I can bring some form of ghostly presence to the book where it can just bring memories back for the true fans
1: well, without a doubt, his name is Paul Sound. My name is Nate Abareya, and when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the the new book featuring original artwork of of, of soccer yeah. stadiums that are no longer existence, no longer in existence. Call them ghost stadiums. Call them what you will. Very much enjoying this conversation. Hope you are as well. It's World Soccer Talk Radio, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Stay with us. to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. This man is absolute magic! We're back here with Paul Town on World Soccer Talk Radio. Be sure to check out the website, by the way, at www.stadiumportraits.com. I've been scouring this thing over the last couple of days and, and right this second as well. And, and there's one right now. We, we were joking about how Anfield isn't, isn't present on the, uh, on the list, but a stadium very close to Anfield is most definitely present on the site. And it's your portrait of, of Goodison Park, Paul. And, and the thing... Yeah, it gives me goosebumps. It's a stadium that that I got to step foot in when I was just eight years old, and and always has a a special place in my heart. and the way I've always been yeah. treated by Evertonians, and from what I hear, this mm-hmm. is actually a very special piece to you as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the
2: portrait from um, Goodison Park was actually commissioned by um, Kitbag dot com, uh, who, who sell the football strips um, through Everton Superstar now. um, they gave me sort of a free reign, really, to, to, to paint what I, I wanted on this portrait. And I think that, that to put the church in at, at Goodison, no portrait at Goodison Park would be worthwhile without you know having the church involved in the portrait. And the, and the old main stand, which was um, constructed by my... It was like an arrow of my matchable lech, um, with the lattice working that stand, was just an iconic feature. Um, so I went for the 1966 look... Um, where the, the the cutouts behind the goal were put in for the nineteen sixty six World Cup. So I try to incorporate different things within the portrait but, but you know, um, reflects that area really.
1: Now, Paul, you touched on something very interesting there and and, and we were chatting off air and I, I talk with, with Toffee supporters all the time about that main stand at Everton. You know, mm. the, the church is so special. There's something also about that main stand. It it, it is so unique in, in in oh so many ways and you're familiar yeah. with, with the guys who actually designed these iconic yeah. structures. Talk about your passion for, for studying the architects and the, and the structural designers of these grounds. Well, I, I mean,
2: I'm actually a builder by trade anyway. I've worked in construction for 30 years up until, you know, uh, earlier on this year when it, I decided to take the plunge and go full-time. Now, I mean, I, I understand construction uh, to, a, a, you know, a, a really a large degree. So i to study architects really was, especially Archibald Letch, who designed football stadiums in the UK, um, was a a pleasure reading his book. Um, Archie was a very clever guy. He actually maximised the capacity of stadiums within the constraints of the the land that he had to work with. Um, A really, really clever chap. Now, in some respects, he was... um, actually put under a lot of pressure. I was reading an article last night just on the Ibox disaster where the the 60... I, I can't remember how many people lost their lives, but, I mean, a colossal accident. Um, and he was ridiculed for that. But then he actually came back stronger and, he you know, he had to sort of look at his own practices and, and, and the football stadiums that he, he built as some men on were just fantastic. And, and also pleasing to the eye, you know, the character behind them was just uh, setting to none. Um, and even more so in Bradford, both the stadiums, Bradford Park Avenue and Bradford City, have had a massive influence through Archer's work, um, where he developed stadiums to, as I say, maximise the capacities. But just the flair of uh, uh, the flavour of the stadiums were just unbelievable at that time.
1: Now, Paul, you talk about designing the stadiums to to maximize capacity, and and that actually yeah. ties back to to the comparison that you made to to American baseball grounds in in the early twentieth century mm-hmm. back in the last segment. In that. Whether they're the old baseball grounds or these old football grounds that you do these portraits of, they were built in in the heart of neighborhoods, in the heart of yeah. working class neighborhoods. And one of the things I love yeah. about your paintings is that in so many of them you incorporate the background, you you show the the housing projects that are built all yeah. around these, or, or that in many ways were built before uh, these these stadiums. Talk about the 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 vibe of the neighborhoods in in these old portraits and and what that means to you and and is it something that you miss with, with New Football Grounds?
2: I, I think New Football Grounds are ten a penny. It's really um, I'm quite disappointed when I go watch football games now uh, in regards to the stadiums I visit. Yes, they're comfortable, but there doesn't seem to be any character or sort of you know, there's not. I don't get the enjoyment like I used to do when I was a child, when I used to go to a stadium and look at the, look at the different shaped stands for me. You know, each four sides had a different stand and um, terraces and 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 the even the external. Like, well, Valley Parade at Bradford was a, a, an iconic stadium in the 1970s because you could see out of the stadium because it's built into a valley, um, and you could see all the industry the outside of the stadiums and the tourist houses and the mills and the, it's just absolutely fantastic to look at. And I think subconsciously, um, it's not, I don't think it's something I mean to put in the portraits. It's just seemed, it, it, for me, it has to be there. It, it, you know, Just looking at a, a football stadium that must seem fairly bland, but if you can incorporate the external um, factors of, of any city within a, a, a portrait, I just think it gives something for everyone.
1: Couldn't agree more, Paul. And, and I want to go back now to actually what we're uh, going to be continuing talking about here. That is that is the ghost stadium book, and and this this yeah. this this new new project of yours, all about stadiums that are no longer exi- in in existence. And you talk about the ground yeah. in in Bradford that you're so familiar with, but mm. give us a, a taste and a feel for for some other quote unquote ghost stadiums that are, are really inspiring you to to get this project. up.
2: Well, I mean, it's like the Hackington Stanley Stadium um, at Peel Park. I, I visited the stadium about ooh, probably about ten years ago now, and should, the stadium actually, the former stadium is still all there. It's just like a, a playing field, but the, the banking and the old terracing is still there. But I could literally, from looking at pictures, when I was walking on the on the field, I could literally feel the vibrancy of the place, and and visually, I could picture the stands um enveloping me within within that uh, you know the grass area was, I, I was stood on at the time um it's a bit of a strange thing I, I can go to a stadium and I can come away I can literally paint or draw the stands without having much um sort of I you know like pictures from books and things I don't know it's some sort of skill or photographic memory that I've got that I can recapture things um It's just I just love doing it. I can't I can't really talk anymore about how how, you know how much pleasure I get out of it. That's just awesome, really.
1: I want to ask you about another uh, uh, project of yours. It's something that is, uh, is up on the site, and it's, it's the Classic Kits. And this I mean, uh, raises, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this raises uh, so, so much more here because this is a whole, whole other department. Yeah. But, but talk about the, the, the passion for these kits, and especially as an artist. And I mean down to, to the simplest forms of art of just being into color and, and being into yeah. progression and, and growth and, and change of tone. Talk about how this yeah. came about.
2: Um, I think literally similar to the stadiums. Really, I just I used to like join the footballers when I was younger as well in the various strips that there were. So I, th- I think it's just a continuation of what I did when I was a child. Um, and with, with football strips now being a massive industry, and, and, and you know I, I think the football strips nowadays are the, you know they're a bit of a joke to be honest. Uh, and I, I just prefer the, the the classic '70s strips, which is what I used to see on TV and when I watched Bradford. Um, far superior to the strips they were today and i think the fans now they're really yearning for that um sort of thing within their households where they can look back and uh, at maybe 10 to 12 different strips that they used to watch their teams in in art form and it's uh it's fantastic painting them it's almost going to my own little world for like eight hours and just zone out basically and it's just so pleasurable
1: well, and it's also a trip through time. That's one of the main things I've yeah, really enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, about about all of your work, but with these classic kits, you you do it in an interesting way. Where you'll start with a player seemingly in the in the early 1900s, then right next to him, yeah. you got a player about the 30s and 40s. Then we get into the 70s. I mean, t- talk about yeah. the, the the time travel experience that you you must have as you're doing this.
2: I think it's quite simple, really. You, you, I mean, if you're a football fan, you you have a Everyone has an image in, uh, of their club strips down the years. Um, you know, and I, I think it's just a, it's a nice thing to be asked, you know, commissioned to paint. It's uh, someone, you know, the, the beauty behind these portraits is that people can pick the strips that they actually love from the past. And that's what it is. You know, it's not about me choosing the strips, it's about the people out there wanting as much as possible from the portraits from me.
1: Paul, apart from Bradford City, who's got your favourite kits in all of England? Oh
2: favourite strips. Um it's a real tough one, is that because I I I, I had so many football kits as a youth. I had Manchester United, dare I say it, Leeds United, um <laughs> Aston Villa, just Colossal Derby County. We just me, my uncle. We used to play football on the on the backyard, and we just we used to wear different strips. You know, go go and wear a Derby strip for ten minutes, and then go back in and get changed and put a Bradford strip on. And it was like mini cup final football. But you know, that's things you did as a child, and I think that's what I'm trying to capture. Really, I think I've lost so much time um, running my businesses that I've just lost
1: the, the passion that I had as a child. And now I've now I've got it back. It's just. It's a dream come true. Well, it's definitely, definitely flowing right now. Again, the website is www.stadiumportraits.com. You can check out all of of the the football grounds that we've been discussing on here, the the classic kits. It's got information on uh, on commissioning paintings uh, through Paul and and all sorts of other testimonials and and pop art and and many features within uh, the the signature collection. So I really encourage everybody to check out stadiumportraits.com. It ties back. To, to paul's roots uh with bradford city and and everything that that goes along with that again stadiumportraits.com be sure to check it out we'll put up a link on twitter for sure my name is Nate abarea his name is paul town you're listening to world soccer talk radio continuing this conversation on the other side of the break sports byline broadcasting network stay with us Welcome, welcome, welcome back to World Soccer Talk Radio right here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. My name is Nate Albaurea, and if you are looking for an advantage when betting on soccer, I want to let you know about a unique open betting platform called FanBet. FanBet allows you to follow your friends and top-ranked bettors to get a wealth of betting tips to help improve Your real money bets. Here's how it works. FanBet runs a weekly contest called FanPlay. Members place bets on Premier League games. You know that league. Using betting credits, the game data is analyzed, and the top bettors are ranked according to their success. FanBet allows you to see live picks and betting history of these players, and by following winning bettors. Logic implies you will become more successful. Sign up today for your free account at FanBet.com. After you log in to your FanBet account, first thing you'll see, It's a live stream of picks from winning bettors, each better ranked based on their average return from their last five bets. Then you can add any pick to the odds tracker and FanBet will compare leading bookmakers to give you the best available odds for your money. It's as simple as that. Improve your soccer betting returns with FanBet.com. A huge thank you to FanBet for their support. Of World Soccer Talk Radio, helping us to get on the air with you every single day, right here in Sports Byline. And again, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, tune in, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and WorldSoccer Talk.com. Tweet me at NateWST and get a hold of all of us at World Soccer Talk. Continuing now with our guest in this edition of the show, first time we've ever had an artist as a guest on this show. His name is Paul Town. Been talking all about the uh, the stadium portraits, the new project, all about ghost grounds and, and a band Abandoned football stadiums in uh, in england and and in scotland and and that transitions into something I want to ask you about here paul and and that is your work is is very much firmly focused on your area of expertise and and where you grew up and grounds that you have first hand knowledge of or or at the least have have people who can tell you first hand stories yeah. uh, about these places. Have you ever considered? perhaps internationalizing your work and and going on to uh, more to the european continent or, or touring latin america or thinking about world cup grounds has that thought ever crossed your mind it, there's a lot of things crossing my mind at present but it, <clears throat> at the
2: moment i'm just trying to make a living and get the business up and running so it, you know it, it can tick along basically um and it's funny you should mention the continent um in europe uh some that could be on the cards within the next few months, where I, I, I maybe gain a few commissions um, from, from Holland. I've got a contact in, in in Holland, and he's going to start pushing uh, the market out there for me. Uh, I think he's, he's called Andy Fuller. He's writing books um, on stadium and stadium culture, and um, he, he's pushing it out there. for me. so hopefully, that the, the market's going to expand. I mean, I'm, it's one of those things. It's like any business; it needs time to grow, but I want to let it grow naturally and not sort of nush the thing um,
1: well Paul I want to talk with you a little bit more uh, about the the commissions and how that's becoming something that is obviously boosting your 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 professional status and allowing you to make a a living with this. Talk about how that's really come about. I mean it, obviously word of mouth is is key and and getting getting as many handshakes and and meeting as many people as possible but talk about how how commissions in Holland or you know commissions even even in England even right there in in the north of England how those are, are are coming about for you and how they're becoming more frequent.
2: I think the powers of social media has been a massive, massive help um, within the business. Um, just, just touching on on football ground sites on Facebook and Twitter and just communicating with people and then making friends where we talk about things and then it just seems to, it seems to come naturally. And if I, I'm, I'm currently painting the old Molyneux Stadium at Wolves um, and I've, I've just put a shot on the, on the Wolves page on facebook tonight and there's a lot of people saying oh i was there that game and all you know and it, it's just really nice that people can talk about these things and then uh you know you you may get a commission or i may i may sell the original or i produce limited edition prints so hopefully i'll get sales from the prints and it's just just how it works really and then somebody somebody will buy a print and then might tell the friend and he sees it and or she sees it and then it, it's just like a snowball effect really
1: now you brought up the the originals and and the prints, and and we were talking yeah. about this uh, off off air. It's it's something quite interesting for any artist, and, and I know it's something that, that you've had, had experience with, and that is selling original paintings. You also have yeah. a, a medium and a specialty that really allows you to, you talk about the limitless prints, and, and, and the prints are, yeah. are yeah. key for the success of, of what you're doing, but talk about the, the, the concept of selling your original artwork and, and some of these, these places where your original artwork is actually being displayed right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, currently I've got an original piece in the um, the, the, the club shop at Everton Football Club at Goodison Park, um, and it—I it, mean, really, it, it, it's because it's a personalised thing. I mean, people can approach me to have portraits uh, painted, and they can have their first game, you know. The, and I, what I do is I research the strips, the, the teams wore at that time, and what the stadium looked like, and I can paint the scene that should hopefully bring them a lot of pleasure and, and memories back. Um, so that's really what Stadium Portrait stands for. It's about the memories.
1: Well, without a doubt, and uh, i, I got to ask you now about something. I, we, we already made a, a baseball comparison earlier in, in the mm. show, but i got to ask you now about something that is very near and dear to my heart. We move away from football grounds. We're not going to baseball stadiums. We're going to rugby grounds, and, and specifically uh, yeah. rugby league grounds, yeah. something that is, is very northern, and I actually had the, the great pleasure of of getting to know the, the St. Helens-Leeds rivalry when I was uh, last yep. In, yep. in England. And and just the phenomenal rugby league history in Leeds yes. and in uh, Saint Helens and I I, I got to ask you about your roots with rugby. You've got rugby union and rugby league covered here, but but talk about what rugby league means to to Bradford and the Bradford Bowls and this very authentically northern thing.
2: Yeah, I, it's it's definitely a northern. It's, I mean, it's mainly Lancashire and, and Yorkshire. Teams that encapsulate the, the Rugby League culture. Um, I actually follow Leeds Rhinos um, for my sins. Uh, obviously, Treble winners, so it's not much of a sin at the moment. But yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the Rugby League is huge. Um, and it, I, I don't think it gets the credit or the publicity it deserves, really. It's a fantastic game. Um, and, you know, painting the Rugby League portraits as well, I've, do, I've done two of Halifax. Uh, I've got others in the pipeline. And. To paint the, the, the rugby post on a, on, on, a, on a rugby league ground, it's just, it's really exciting because it just brings a totally different look to the stadiums. Um, and if that can be blended with the external aspects like the terrace housing, mills, chimneys, then, then all well and good, which is a lot of these grounds that, that you know the, the in, in the town, in the centre of towns, are not like built out of town stadiums. Now it's, it's just recapturing really that flavour and the essence of uh,
1: northern life, really, that I try, I try to uh, portray. I love it capturing Northern life without a doubt. And yeah. I I, I got to ask you about something, an interesting one here within the rugby league collection. And it's one that you did of far town Huddersfield rugby league football club, the giants. And it's, it's a yeah. black and white painting. It almost, almost looks like a, a charcoal drawing. It has yeah. such a, a, an old feel to it. And, and I don't see too many of those within your work, but is no. that something that you're, you're into doing the, the, the black and white paintings? They're, they're literally just pencil drawings. I
2: mean, that, that, that's how I started doing them as a, as a child, um, and the, the one you see a far down literally is it, it's a sketch to help me with a future painting. Now, when I when I've done the sketch, people will say, "Oh, it's really good, Paul. You should show that," and that's why it's on the website. Um, <laughs> I'd actually do. I, I personally don't like the drawing, but it's, what, what it does, it gives me a flavour. Um, so I can go in and execute that portrait whenever I see fit. I know what I'm going to do. I know which angles I'm going to use, and and hopefully what it's going to uh, turn out to be. Um, so that's in the pipeline to actually do the far town, yeah, the old Ludersfield town at some stage.
1: Is that something that you experience fairly often, where you're like, ah, you know what, I, I'm I'm really not that high on on this painting, and then someone comes up to you and goes, Oh my god, that was my my favorite yeah. one. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. I mean, how does how does that make you feel as as an artist? Uh, I think it's one of those things. that I,
2: it, it, It's a real strange one with, with artwork where, it, you, you know, I can I can get a painting which I'm buzzing from and other people can't see it and then other people buzz off things I can't see. So it's a really interesting question and it's probably one I, can, I, I will never be able to answer. It's just that I, I think it, art is a personal thing. Um, it's like a lot of people nowadays are like the modern art stuff. I, I can't stand it. I, I love to see old paintings.
1: Um, so it 's all about taste Paul, who were some of your I should say who are some of your your favorite artists going back as as far as as you 'd like here?
2: Again, that is a real tough
1: question because
2: i 've never really sort of idolized any any artist in particular um, obviously there's the Northern influence with with you know l s Lowry is uh, is huge. But then again, I can look at Lowry's work and I think, well, yeah, I can I can either take it or leave it. So it's, art is so, such a broad subject. Um, and I think one of the major influences on my, my artwork becomes within, from within our own family. My grandma used to paint and uh, my grandma's brother, he used to paint and my mum actually paints as well. She's an, an excellent artist and she doesn't paint enough, but... Um, so I think that from from within my own family, the art the artwork, I was always surrounded by artwork. So I've not really reached out and looked for anything in particular that, that I needed influencing by.
1: Now, in in terms of spreading the work, you you address social media and how important that's been, and and even even those first first person relationships and and meeting people uh, around around England and Scotland and obviously into the the European continent and elsewhere. Talk about what's. What's next for you? You talk about really just grinding and and staying focused, but there is a little yeah. bit of an of an expansion going on for your work right now, Paul, and the amount of people that are are, are jumping on board with with what you're trying to give to the world. So, I mean, talk about what yeah. what the the next big thing is for you. Obviously, in addition to the uh, the book of uh, of Ghost Grounds. Yeah, I mean the the Ghost stadium. I
2: mean, I've literally seven and a half thousand words written. It's it, it's really in its uh, infancy. Um, so I'm I'm looking at probably the back end of 2016 to release the book. Um, I mean, it could be 2017. Who knows? But I'm not I'm not going to rush the book. I want to get it right. Um, but I mean, it, expansion is is a thing that is, it, any business would wants to expand. And uh, from a personal point of view, yeah. I do want my artwork out there, but most most foremost, I want people to enjoy it as much as I enjoy doing them. Um, and it's a case of, I, I think the expansion thing, it's one of those things that will just take care of itself. I'm, I'm a Yorkshireman, I'm down to earth, and that's the way I'll go into my job. I get up every morning um, and I go to work at 8 o'clock and I, and I finish at 5. I just, I just do the normal hours and get my head down. Uh, and churn out the paintings as I see fit, you know. And it's that's the way I look at it. It's not a case of me uh, wanting to expand. I'm just hoping that it'll just take its natural course.
1: Without a doubt. And it's been great having you on the show. And and anything we can do to to spread the word uh, regarding yep. your work is something I'm very very into. And I'll definitely be be following as everything progresses. Hey, before we let you go. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I gotta, gotta ask you about this for, for better or worse. They're, they're currently down in, in league one coming off, uh, kind of a nasty three nil, uh, uh, defeat to Gillingham. Yeah. but, uh, I gotta <laughs> ask you about Bradford city 12th place in league one right now. Any chance of a, of a race for a playoff spot before the season's over? Uh- Personally, I,
2: I don't think so this year. I think we we're we sort of treading water again as, as we have for the last few seasons. And, and I, I think you sometimes have to be careful what you wish for in football because there's teams in the Championship and Premiership who have got massive debts. Busted um, City are actually a debt a debt free club now, um, so I, I just think you, you do have to be careful with that. And I'm in no rush to get promotion. Um, I just want to see a good match, um, two teams having a go. You know, so it's uh, for me. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, I get pleasure out of watching my hometown club and being there week in, week out with my dad. And that's, that's what I see.
1: Uh, I wish I wish more people had that view of of the game and just appreciating every moment, and appreciating the love for the club. Well, tell you what, Paul, yes. I, ho- I hope I can get out to Valley Parade and and, and catch a match yeah, at you sometime. Mean, and you're more than welcome, Matt. Oh, yeah. uh, I appreciate it. Maybe even do a little uh, pencil drawing of Valley Parade uh, myself. It's been it's been yeah, great yeah, having yeah. you great having you on the show. And any last words uh, r- regarding your artwork to to the listeners here in America and uh, everyone else that we got listening around the world via the podcast. Yeah, just, to just keep your eye on it. I mean, it's, it's something that's expanding. It's uh, something that uh, I've
2: been told it's unique. It didn't mean, didn't start off, you know, I didn't start off to, for, for the minute to be unique, but it, that's the way it's taken off. And I just hope people enjoy it as much as I enjoy painting them. And, you know, just link up to the website, www.stadiumportraits.com.
1: I'm also available on uh, Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, at Stadium Portrait, correct? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Facebook Beautiful. is just under my, my own personal name, Paul Town. Beautiful. Paul That's Town Facebook. on Facebook at Stadium Portrait on Twitter. Paul, great pleasure and privilege having you on the show. You're welcome Thank back you. anytime, mate. Take care. Thanks, then. Bye now. Bye now. Again, mate. that was Paul Town. We're back after this on World Soccer Talk Radio, taking the express train home with one final salute to Rafa Benitez, now former Real Madrid manager, right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. It's Shabby Alonso, Garcia and Nunes, Rafa Benitez, Rafa Benitez, Rafa, Rafa, Benitez. Oh, Rafa. always have good memories of Rafa. Love Rafa. So much love for Rafa. Real Madrid, not so much love for Rafa. In case you're just joining us, in case you have been off of social media all day and off of all the soccer sites all day, Rafa Benitez sacked Just seven months into his Real Madrid tenure. Was he given a fair shake? I think not. Rafa signed a three-year contract. This is the last point I want to make about Rafa Benitez here on World Soccer Talk Radio. In our first show of 2016, first of many here in the new year, Rafa signed a three-year contract. What does a contract even mean anymore when it comes to a manager, when it comes to a coach in any sport for that matter, but especially in the big money industry that we know as world football, a three-year contract sacked, After seven months with his team, just four points off of first place in La Liga. Another huge thank you to Paul Town. Be sure to check him out on Twitter at Stadium Portraits. Check out the website, stadiumportraits.com. Thanks to the fantastic producer, Dominic Jimenez, back in San Francisco. For the gaffer, Chris Harris. My name is Nate Abreu. Signing off. Talk to you tomorrow. World Soccer Talk Radio. Love you.